The glory of humanity is the difference, the differentiation, individuality of each person, and the fact that each individual is unique and irreplaceable, which, which makes each individual precious, precious, precious. I'd like to talk to you this afternoon about two classes of Americans, and it may not be the two classes you think of, but nonetheless, there are two distinct classes in America, and we have to break up. Break up. Break up. Break up. You don't get freedom peacefully. Anyone who is depriving you of freedom isn't deserving of, an, of a peaceful approach. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the rights of a human being by any means necessary. Welcome to the Unrestrained Thoughts Podcast, a Utah-based program that focuses on ideas, politics, culture, and the current events going on in the world around us, whether locally or globally. I'm your host, David Iglesias. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Unrestrained Thoughts Podcast. Um, I apologize for the huge, long hiatus I took. I think it's been literally a month, just been between moving and going on vacation and lots of other stuff. So as you can tell in the background, I have a new setting than before. It's a little bit less, you know, awkward and looks like a bedroom. It's more of an office. So I thought the conversation that Quinn and I had last time was so fun and we just have like the same approach to things and have a lot of the same background coming from Utah and stuff we study. I figured it'd be fun to have Quinn back on again and cover more stuff, but this time not so much. We're, I don't, I mean, we could talk about whatever we could end up in this area, but not so much anti-war this time or any of the foreign policy stuff. Um, today, we're gonna f- talk more about uh, the political and cultural climate in Utah, cause that's where we're both from. And this is more of a Utah centric podcast. At least I try to make it that way. And <clears throat> so, where Quinn is a very outspoken and very well thought out um, libertarian, I th- I figured this would be a really good opportunity to talk about some of the um, some of the crossover between the libertarian philosophy and the church doctrine of, or the Mormon Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, which both of us have a background with. Um, so <clears throat> I personally have thought a lot about kind of the, the dichotomy on these two things, which is weird because, you know, it's politics and religion. It, those are the two things that you're not supposed to talk about. And those are the two things we're going to ma- like marry in a conversation today. But it's more about kind of the principles underlying both, you know, both uh, sides of life as far as, you know, being a member of the church or having practiced at one point the faith and then getting into a philosophy that deals with voluntarism, voluntarism and, you know, peace and, uh, you know, property rights and just how people interact with each other. Individuality, individualism, exactly. freedom of choice. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And so it's funny because anyone who's familiar with the, um, with the the I apologize. It is it is eight thirty my time, and I made the choice to do a podcast at eight a.m. and Quinn is nine hours ahead, so she's like at the end of her day, and I'm just starting. So 
<laughs> I apologize if I'm like not here and I'm totally just kind of spaced out. So, um, but yeah, anyone that's familiar with the church doctrine knows that a key part of the doctrine um, that the Mormons talk about is agency and the freedom to choose and <clears throat> just about, you know, see, I'm already, I'm already like spacing out, it, but it's the whole key component of not compelling people to come to Christ, but rather inviting them and helping them choose Christ. And right. libertarian philosophy is very much that same idea of you don't impose your will or your ideas and morals on other people. You respect everybody's rights. And there's the, there's a hard line of, you know, voluntary interaction versus coercion. And the culture in Utah is very fascinating because you would think that where Utah is so heavily um, LDS, you would think that there'd be kind of this underlying culture of, you know, voluntary, peaceful interaction. And it's, I mean, everyone gets a lot well on the, maybe there's on the surface. Super nice people in Utah. Yes. Super nice. Exactly. But at the how, same time. How, how would you describe kind of the overall feeling of it, Quinn? It's so interesting because like if you talk to someone that's a visitor of Utah, they're gonna tell you like people were super nice, it's quiet, it's like clean. If you know, I feel like the people feel clean. Like I don't know if that's messed up to say, but like that's actually how my fiance would always describe it. Like it feels clean, the people feel clean. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everyone's like a family for the most part. There's not a huge nightlife obviously like really anywhere unless you're in salt lake there's a nightlife and even that nightlife isn't really a city nightlife like it's very limited and so i feel like um if you ask someone from the outside especially maybe someone from a different country or is from like a completely different state like new york like that's just so couldn't be more distinct from utah i think they would have a lot of good things to say about it they'd also probably have some things that would be like kind of weird like why are these like white castles all around and there's church buildings everywhere and they probably don't know anything about Mormons except for like they used to be polygamists or something like that you know what I mean so but I think they're actually sometimes whenever I hear someone from like that's a visitor or like has once lived in Utah they like really enjoyed it and I think that's awesome because there's a lot to enjoy about Utah but then I think you ask people that have moved to Utah or are from Utah and those opinions I think differ more I think a lot of people absolutely love Utah. They love being from Utah. They don't ever want to leave. People are so happy they moved to Utah. And then I think there's like people maybe like me <laughs> who, are, who are not that fond of Utah and haven't had a great experience in Utah um, because of like this kind of sub, I don't know, it's not even a subculture, just because of like this culture that kind of, is is there (laughs) i don't even have the words i'm like you now i'm losing my train of thought um that i think it's it's obvious you know it's a culture of kind of like um keeping up with the joneses is what i always say Mm -hmm. like feeling like you kind of need to keep up but not in like an la way it's so weird because i always kind of think of utah like really similar to la or california in a lot of ways because everyone's kind of like in each other's business a little bit there's like the whole influencer social media sphere of Utah that's like really specific to like a Utah thing, oh, right? Yeah. Like 
everyone's on social media. You kind of want to keep up with what's trendy. Like I feel like Utah is a huge place for like getting your lips done and getting injections and not that any of that's over. bad. Like I, I have no judgment. Like my sister's all about that stuff. Like I don't, everyone has their interests, right? Like none yeah. of that's bad, like in, in its own form. But mm-hmm. if you can relate that easily back to places like LA where you kind of want to keep up with the new style. Oh, the styles 100% in Utah. Like oh, yeah. you have to be trendy with the styles. You know, I feel like you want to drive a nice car. Like there's like that kind of culture of wanting to keep up. And um, that's so interesting because that kind of like not contradicts, but it just seems like it wouldn't fit when you really think about like what the Mormon church is in a way. And then you also have like the culture of, of gossip, of judgment. And I think that all kind of plays into that whole keeping up culture. Cause I kind of think it all goes in hand in hand. Like, do you need to keep up? You're going to be talking about the people that aren't keeping up, right? There's that gossip and that judgment that goes along there. And it's, it's not like LA where you'd probably judge someone if they, they don't recycle or like, <laughs> I don't know, like don't, you know, they eat meat or something like that. Whereas the judgment culture in Utah is like, she's not wearing gar- not. She's wearing a tank top in that photo. Yeah, she's, she's not wearing garments. Temple. Yes, <laughs> such a Utah um, thing. Like I heard they had premarital sex. Um, like I heard they used to party. Like I don't know, whatever it yeah. is. Like more of a religious judgment, I would say. Um, yeah. So it's it's really interesting. Like I don't think there's really anywhere else like it. No. In the U.S., like this hub of like kind of a lot of wealth mixed with a lot of religion mixed with a lot of um when like generational uh, families right it's like yes yes exactly 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 that's another huge thing yeah it's like the almost like the tribalism in a way with your generational like well-known names and Mm -hmm. like we have a little of this of this in idaho as well like this isn't just utah i would say utah is like the main but like Idaho, especially southeastern Idaho, has a lot of Mormons as well. So we definitely have an aspect of this culture too. But yeah. ours is just a little bit more like farm. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of more space. Like just people, like a so little bit of a farm here. spin on it. And so it's a little bit more down to earth to an extent. But right. like there's that same like ward drama gossip all those types of things are for sure happening in utah and then i would say that you still have that same thing in arizona too in certain parts of arizona like mesa and things like that where it's heavily anywhere heavily populated with mormons in like that western area is going to have this little culture thing going on but i think utah is obviously like the hub of it because it's utah right exactly and it's interesting because obviously this isn't like the nature of every single church member it's just like the no the agglomeration conglomeration i can't even think of words it's the just accumulation accumulation yeah just so many all centered in one area and it just becomes a bubble so like utah mormons there's kind of this whole thing for people who aren't maybe as familiar with you know the mormon church and the mormon culture a lot of people will often say like they're mormon but they're not a utah mormon And there's like actually a lot of truth to that because like someone who's from Utah and is part of that, grew up in that bubble. Now, granted, I grew up in Utah and I definitely 100% Utah County, Orem, Utah does not get- Yeah, Utah is- Orem, it does not get more Utah more than that. (laughs) Orem and Provo is like 
is the most Utah part of Utah. And so, um, fortunately I grew up, you know, going to California. My family is not one of these families that was generations in Utah. They, they moved from California to Utah. So I was fortunately able to see outside a little bit of that bubble. You know, I grew up going to (laughs) going to California and then going to their grocery store and be like, Hey, they have a wine section that doesn't exist in Utah. Why don't they have wine? Yeah. Yeah. So many little things like that, but it's, it's very unique in its own way where Utah just the, the culture is very, it's, it's the result of just decades of, of like people being here for their families being generations. And then just, it's this weird environment. And what's fascinating as far as kind of, well, I guess, hold on, I should, I should clarify anyone who's listening. That might be a little bit like, wow, they're just trashing on Utah or on the Mormons. I was that's, just gonna that's say. not, that's not, that's not what the point of this is because no. um, like, obviously well, there's no, I don't have any issues with people that are members of the church. I, I don't personally practice anymore. I used to be an active member and everything, but I just, I don't do that anymore, but I don't have a problem with it. And I'm not, and this kind of gets into an interesting thing that I want to cover as well as um, I personally am not someone that when I stopped practicing, I turned immediately into kind of like bitter and angry. Right. And so that yeah. is one of the things that's very, um, I found, I well, it's bizarre, but I can see why at the same time, a lot of people yeah. who grew up LDS and are from Utah and, you know, they served missions or whatever, and then they stop practicing for one reason or the other, and then they become very bitter. And so there's kind yes. of this, there's this, I mean, there's a lot of very different black and white. Yeah. And you have one half, which are like very devout LDS members. And then you have one, the other half, which are like very angry, very anti LDS yes. members. Yes. Well, they're not members. And it's funny because they rip on. So like, so, you know, to start picking at the other side, the anti LDS people or those who are former or ex or whatever, they they just talk so badly about like how LDS members, active people, it's like their identity and like they're just everything is is church and right, Mormonism. right. But then their whole identity is like the counter. Like it is just as much part of their identity to be anti LDS yes. as it is for these. Then people. to be yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like they're still imprisoned in whatever they think was a prison for them, you know. <laughs> and I just want to interject here too, just to say like for me, I'm still. Um, a practicing member I go like inactive a a little bit sometimes or whatever like as far as like going to church but um it's hard to find yeah like it's it's hard to just like want to go because it's like sometimes just hard to find a ward that you like even feel anything (laughs) for and I just like I had issues with like going to church sometimes but I've never really had like necessarily like a super big faith crisis with like the doctrine or anything like that like it's always been a big part of my life and like um I, I just can't imagine myself not being a member because that's just personally like where I feel like it fits for me right but I'm probably not like the traditional mem- I know I'm not the tra- traditional <laughs> member at all and I've had to do a lot of seeking to really find what fits for me like spiritually and it's like spirituality is it's a difficult thing sometimes and especially like if you're question a lot of things like I don't know like I've had my own spiritual torment right and I'm still kind of figuring things out but like you're someone that's not practicing anymore I'm someone that is practicing any still and um so we'll just kind of like preface that 
And it's actually really funny because it's, it's so interesting. And I used to be the same way. If I hear someone saying anything about the church that doesn't immediately sound positive, I'm going to feel like kind of, I used to feel this way. I used to feel like kind of almost gross. Like, and I was like, I'm not going to listen to it, you know? And then you kind of immediately get angry before even hearing out what like is to be said. And I just think that it's interesting that the minute we hear something that maybe isn't completely in alignment with what we view it as viewed as or like doesn't sound completely positive we just don't want to immediately shut it down and not even like go there with our brain for whatever reason you know what I mean um and I just think that's interesting because it's like it's okay to like hear dissenting opinions and dissenting voices and um like for me, if I listen to someone like you were saying, like is super anti-anti-Mormon and they're just saying like, whatever they're saying, I also sometimes I'm kind of like, mm, I just feel icky sometimes listening because I just don't like really know what your agenda is or where your heart's at. So I always just want to say like, my heart's always in a good place when I'm talking about this. And I hope that whoever's listening, if you are like a practicing member and you maybe had that thought like, oh, I don't want to listen or why are they bashing on something that is so near and dear to my heart? Right. It's always like not fun to hear something that's so meaningful to people. Hear right. something like maybe not the most positive that's so meaning to be meaningful to people. But also like it's really important that like we hear other opinions and like right. hear things out and not get so defensive so fast. Um and not always like assume that someone's like heart is in the wrong place or whatever. Right. I think it's interesting right. that we do that because I seriously like back in the day when I was super, super active in high school, um yeah, if anything, if anyone said anything, like not fully positive, like I just didn't want to hear it, you know, and I wish that wasn't the case, because I could have learned something new, or I could have like, you know, really connected to someone or like found a new way to have compassion for someone, or a new way to understand people, which is like what the gospel is all about, right? It's just like loving, understanding, listening, hearing, and and connecting. So prefacing that like hearts in a good place your hearts in a good place and it's i think it's really important that we have this conversation too because there are issues there's issues with every religion and that's kind of going to bring to my to my second point which is you know i live in the middle east and everyone here is muslim and the government is you know like they run things in a in a muslim way technically i mean there's christians here too so not completely but there's not like just raging religious freedom all around you know um so like i'm not even it's illegal for me to kiss my fiance in in public oh so i did not know that yeah it's absolutely illegal like if someone saw us it would be bad so (laughs) like they're pretty intertwined the religion and and the government but also like the argument is the same here where my fiance is always telling me like that's not islam that's not islam that's not islam like that's culture. So mm-hmm. anywhere in the world that there's a concentration of, a re- of people in one religion, and there's a concentration geographically, there's going to be a culture that comes out of it that often tends to be a little bit toxic, right? We turn religion or doctrine into like this weird culture. So mm-hmm. this isn't just specific to Mormonism. I always like really want to point that out. That's what I always point out to people that are really like, maybe turning anti or like, are so angry at the church. It's like, go anywhere else in the world if you go to italy and there's a there's a concentrated population of 
Catholics in Italy. There's a lot of things that are coming out of Catholicism that aren't truly Catholicism, that is purely culture, right? Right. Same thing in Utah, same thing in the Middle East. Um, me and my fiance are always talking and always relating, he's Muslim, about how, like, like I just said, you know, I'm always talking about like, yeah, in Mormon culture, it's X, Y, and Z. And he's always talking about how, yeah, people think X, Y, and Z is Islam, but it's not. That's just like this weird subculture that's been created around it. And that's not like the heart of Islam. Just like a lot of things that we're talking about aren't the heart of like the gospel of Christ, you know? Right. And that's why I stayed Mormon because I still have like a belief in like the gospel of, of Christ and like the doctrines that we teach for the most part um, without all the culture stuff kind of sometimes blinding us or, or making things foggy or turning us off so much to the actual like gospel and things like that. So I just think that's something that's really important to remember is that anywhere you yeah. go where it's concentrated, there's going to be a culture around it and that's just natural. So it's not a problem with Mormons specifically. Um, right. We just have a, but it's, definitely something to address and it's definitely right. something that we should want to try and like fix you know it's mm -hmm. definitely something that we should discuss and think about and, and conversate on so yeah exactly and and to, it's funny because as you as you pointed out we're talking we've only been talking about culture up to this point so anyone who might be a little bit like maybe unsure feeling a little bit you know guarded because we're being a little critical well, just take note that we have said nothing, like absolutely nothing about the doctrine. This is yeah. nothing, nothing we've got covered, even talks about what the Book of Mormon teaches, what the Bible teaches, what the LDS Church teaches. It's all been specifically around culture that has been permeated from people who practice the faith, but, you know, don't really, in my opinion, and this is where I get really critical. Practice of the of, faith. Yeah, they practice, they, they quote unquote practice it, but it's interesting when you look at you know, and we can maybe this will be a good segue into starting to discuss a little bit about, you know, what what would Utah if they really practice if people more accurately practice their faith in every aspect of their life, what would Utah look like? And mm -hmm. uh, because the doctrine itself, as we mentioned at the beginning, is very much, you know, following, choosing to follow Christ. They literally the like the LDS Church literally creates ctr rings so it's the little rings that are green that say ctr i mean that was when i was a kid i don't know if they still do that but that was like a catchphrase choose the right choose that's like so critical mm -hmm. we all chose to come to this life we all chose to you know be children of god and we all chose yeah. to follow jesus and so there's this huge emphasis on the importance of agency and if you're familiar with mm -hmm. again the church doctrine the mormon doctrine there's the whole lesson about um, the pre-mortal existence. So before people arrived on earth, there is this big conflict in heaven where, you know, I think it's like a third of the hosts in heaven mm -hmm. chose to follow um, Lucifer's plan, which is, you know, who turned into Satan. And then everyone else chose to follow Jesus's plan. Because and Lucifer's, Lucifer's plan was no choice. Exactly. It was very much about disrupting the entire role of agency. There was no consequences that yeah. everyone would would just do what Shoot was right. Bed. You couldn't do wrong. Yeah. And so there's this essence to the entire doctrine, which is agency. But then you look at the laws and you look at a little bit how Utah, the culture is and what the, in the legal structure of like, for example, as far as I'm concerned, 
gambling laws, like very strict gambling laws in Utah. Like you don't go and, yeah. and you can't see casinos and you can't just go gamble like you would in Vegas. People, there's constant jokes of like, hey, let's just drive over to Wendover or Vegas and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go do some gambling for the weekend. Or our liquor laws, our liquor laws are Our so liquor laws are huge. Strict. Yeah, I mean, you can't buy liquor except for beer. You can buy like beer mm-hmm. and like seltzers, like less than 5% at gas stations and at grocery stores but other than that you can't buy wine or any liquor or anything like that unless you're at a liquor store and those you know close at 7 p.m they're not open on sundays and yeah and then on top of that like liquor laws within like a restaurant like i can't take a bottle of wine that i haven't finished with me home if i wanted to um i can't um even actually have liquor without a meal if I'm at a restaurant. I'm not allowed to order liquor if I haven't ordered a meal if I'm at a restaurant. If I'm at a bar, I can order it, mm-hmm. right? So- And they have signs, this is a bar, not a restaurant, or this is a restaurant, not yeah. a bar. <laughs> yeah. And then like, obviously, eh, marijuana is not a huge one because I feel like there is actually medical marijuana in Utah, which is actually great and awesome. For, for um, sure. And a huge step forward. Um, but it's not that surprising that there's not legal recreational marijuana because that's not super popular across the whole U.S. yet. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's another one. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I think there was a law on the books, not that they enforced it, but I think there was a law at one point that it was illegal to have premarital sex, which is like, like that back is so... in the day. What's that? Like back in the day. I th- Honestly, I could be wrong but i feel like i heard a story in the last couple of years that they like officially took that law off the books like recently Weird. it just had I been there i would be surprised if that was something like implemented way back in the day yeah, exactly like, it's yeah. like an old one but no one yeah. like knew about it it got forgotten no one enforced it but it's just kind of like yeah. okay that's that's clearly a religious you know belief that's clearly tied to christian or yeah yeah LDS teachings and so it's just it's funny because we all talk about like the importance of separation of church and state. We think of freedom of religion and all that good stuff, especially, you know, Utah's a lot of, you know, it's mostly conservative Republicans or it, for mm-hmm. a long time it has been. Um, and so, you know, these people are very adamant about following the Constitution and all these you know liberties and making sure things are or, you know, in the right order and separated where they need. to. But in our actual state, it's very much you know, leaning in a way that, and it's not even that the church directs it necessarily. It's not like the no, church. No, it's just influenced it's just, heavily. Yeah, people are, everyone just kind of agrees. Most of the lawmakers practice the same faith. And so for them, it's not a big deal. And so, yeah. sorry, you were going to It's just say. interesting that they would want to make something like more difficult as to like respect their, like, I wonder if what's in their head is like, because this is my, faith like i would be going against my faith if i didn't like enact Mm -hmm. like or write a bill that kind of at least tried to hinder people from um smoking or or drinking or or whatever it is and it's so interesting because i just like wonder what the thought process is behind it like are you trying to hinder people from doing it so Mm -hmm. that they'll and like de-incentivize them from like doing things that you might think are a sin so that they'll like right. come to Christ? Or are you 
doing it because you feel like you have like a duty to your faith to do it, but then that goes completely against like separation of state and religion. Like, I really don't understand like even what goes through the head of someone that is, you know, passing these bills and these laws. Um, yeah. Cause like, what is their, what is their like agenda almost if they're even, there, there is one, you know, obviously to an extent, I'm not saying it's a cynical agenda. I'm just saying there probably is an agenda. Like, right. yeah. And I, I, I don't know actually how much the church itself influences laws, but I wouldn't completely rule it out. Right. Because they influence quite a lot, but like, again, I don't think it's like in a cynical way, but it's, it's just, just interesting because it, why, mm-hmm. you know, like you have, you have the state capital up in Salt Lake and you have the, the, this hub, the center of the church, this worldwide organization is also in Salt Lake. Yeah. So yeah. It's just interesting. And it has, again, nothing to do with the, like the faith and the doctrine itself. It's because people are imperfect. And so obviously, and even, even the church leaders, this is something it's funny. Everyone says it in the church, but they don't, I don't think they really take it to heart of like your leaders are imperfect and what yeah, that yeah. entails like even the highest ranking members uh, are like really awesome solid you know teachers and stuff they're imperfect and who knows the temptation political temptation is a whole different level like people mm-hmm. who are not involved in politics do not understand how tempting it is once you get in that game and you get in those positions of like you can really influence so laws and the power well, yeah because like the thing and is it's like it's it's just like any other job like it's tempting to be like hmm like i want to make more money or like i want to feel more important or i want to feel like i'm influencing something or like making a difference even if it's not a good difference you know like and and it might not even be like like any other job that's just human nature yeah and it might not even be like in a in a cynical or like nefarious no. way. just be like hey you know what i'm a representative of christ i represent this church i'm here to spread the gospel and and make the world you know more christ-like i have an opportunity to maybe rid the world of some of these evil things like drugs and alcohol or right i mean like why did they do prohibition we know the reasons why they did prohibition right. <laughs> but their front for for prohibition is obviously to become like a more christian nation and mm-hmm. you know and things like that like um but it's just, it's just so interesting. It's just so interesting. So, and so you think like to kind of help people understand a little bit who aren't familiar with like the libertarian philosophy, assuming, assuming, you know, I haven't just amassed a little bubble of like people who listen or that are only libertarians. I'm hoping that others who are listening to this podcast are not familiar with the philosophy. Um, I mean, the whole philosophy is centered around voluntary, um, voluntarianism. uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like consensual acts between people, not not just sexually or whatever, but like in every aspect we're talking about, you know, who you associate with and what like, you know, marketplace exchanges, you're, yes. you know, you have property, you own your home, your private property, you get to decide who comes in and everything is centered around this idea of, you know, as long as you are not forcing someone to do something, you are free to do what you want. If you want to consume any kind of food, drug, or whatever media, you can do that as long as it's not, you're not doing it in a way that's, you know, if you're stealing from people to, you know, feed your drug addiction or to get drugs, that's that's a problem because you're stealing from people. 
And so this right. whole idea It's like is, you can be as liberal as you want to be as long as you don't force your view on others. And you can be as conservative as you want to be as long as you don't force your view on others through a government structure. Exactly. And obviously, and just, like, without a government structure either, like, violently or and things like that. As long as you're not um, repressing... If you're, as long as you're not infringing on anyone else's life, liberty, or pursuit of happiness, is that how I always say it, exactly. then you're free to do as you please. Um, and like, basically, the best way to know if you're a libertarian, by the way, is like, do you consider yourself really liberal? Okay, yeah, I consider myself like really liberal when it comes to like social issues or whatever it is. Okay, do you think that the government should enforce your way, your view of the world on on everyone else and do you think that the government has a responsibility to make the world more liberal like as far as like social things go if you say yeah i think the government has responsibility to you know further my view of the world then you are a liberal if you say they don't have that responsibility i have that responsibility through my actions through my community through my works things like that then you're a libertarian and vice versa if you're super conservative and you think that the government has a role to make the world more conservative, then you're a conservative, a Republican. But if you're, that's what I'm saying, a Republican and a Democrat. But if you're conservative, but you think the world should be made more conservative through your actions, your community, your works, things like that, then you're a libertarian. So I feel like that kind of sums most of libertarianism up. Yeah, no, it's that's definitely a fair way of kind of, you know, boiling it down just to the idea of as long as if your core beliefs are just centered around, you know, not requiring that it's a law that other people live that way, but rather mm-hmm. you, as they say in Christian doctrine, be a light of what is it, a beacon on a hill, you know, be that nice. example yeah. for others. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, that's the whole essence of like what the philosophy is. And then you compare that to the church, doc- the Mormon church doctrine. And it's like, they're so similar in that sense of like, there's a lot of parallels in that sense. Exactly. Sure. And so it's, it is unfortunate because this leads so many people that are good people. I know so many, like, I, in fact, I think most of my close friends aren't, aren't members and they're not even, some of them are former members, but a lot of them just aren't members. And it puts us really, really unfortunate, like, negative image on utah and how utah's run because then they're these people that are feeling like okay well the entire state is run by the church which you know you can't yes. believe them because that's how it really feels even as someone who's from that background of being a member and even when i was more active i still kind of saw weird things of like why are we enforcing that like why are we making this the way and then those people fall away and oddly enough I've noticed that at least like 20 year olds, 20 to 30 year olds um, who fall away from the church or just become very anti LDS because mm-hmm. you know they're just so sick of having to be forced to live a certain way, legally that is, um, they start to espouse not only like the opposite views as far as religious and morals go, but like politically, mm-hmm. they also just kind of counter- they do. And so it's very fascinating because there's a lot of people I know who like, they're not politically inclined. They're not like very politically active, but they start to kind of grab hold to more like progressive left-leaning political Mm -hmm. views because generally not everybody, there's, there's plenty of left-leaning progressive Mormons, but generally a lot of them, at least here in Utah are conservative. And so it's just kind of a counter reaction to that. 
And politically, then it starts to go a different way. And it's like, I don't think you really believe those things, but you're just kind of like, like I think it's full like rebellion. Cause I think, I think there's a lot to it too. I think it goes deep. Like it's easier to live in a binary world and it's easier to have binary opinions just is like that's just the fact of life my life was so easy when i really think about it like my inner turmoil was hardly inner turmoil when i like lived in my high school era where you know there was not one thing i questioned questioned about the church there was not one thing i questioned about the doctrine there wasn't you know i felt super firm and secure i had obviously like never lived out side of my own bubble too like I lived in Utah and Idaho and in South America for a year when I was a kid you know like I lived in the bubble as well my parents were also from California and Vegas so I had something but like ultimately no I still lived in a bubble of course I did every American lives in a bubble and so (laughs) to an extent and so um like my my view of the world was binary but things were black and white and Um, you know, I always felt like I could always find the answer within the church or whatever it is, you know, and that's easier. It's so much easier. And one of like the most difficult things that I've been through in my like adulting time, because I'm just 23 now has been like trying is been realizing there's a lot of gray and then been trying to like reconcile that and been trying to figure out what that means for me. And, um, there was just never something pulling me to be black or white, you know? And so living in the gray, I guess, or like trying to understand this gray has been really, really difficult. And it's, it's honestly like, it's really hard. Like the amount of times, like I've cried about my spiritual life and just trying to figure out, you know, what do I believe and what really fits in my heart and, and how can I like really allow God to be in my heart, but also understand that I have personal revelation and it doesn't sometimes fit with what general counsel says with the church and like all these things. Right. So it's hard. I feel like to deal with it. And I think sometimes like, especially if you don't have, I've been really, really blessed to, I think just maybe have good guides or like, maybe like have like, say Heavenly Father. (laughs) <laughs> like maybe god like blessed me to be able like to be prepared for like this gray nuance or whatever i don't really know i'm not saying that like i'm stronger because i chose not to be binary um but i just think that a lot of people obviously are not going to want to choose to go through that turmoil and it's easier to just go completely anti and i think that's just because there's a lot of there's a lot of hurt in it too because oh, yeah. the church the way the church is set up then it's a, it's a truly a problem. And, and there's Mormon scholars. The most I've learned from is the vice president of the Mormon Institute at BYU. He's a Mormon scholar and he has done more for me than anyone else. And he's taught me more about like, what is church? What is doctrine and things like that. And, um, you know, the way that the church is set up that the way that we're taught it, right. Is a domino effect. So the minute that you don't believe in, um, let's say I'm like, okay, well, I don't really agree with what my bishop said. Okay. But my bishop was called from God by the, like the stake president who mm-hmm. was called by God. Supposedly he was a calling from God by the one that's higher up, that's higher up, that's higher mm-hmm. up. Okay. Yep. Then I maybe don't believe something or don't fully agree with something that like a prophet has said. Okay. Well, if I don't believe in what the prophet has said, then 
I might not believe that he's a prophet of God technically, because I'm supposed to believe everything he says because he's a prophet of God and he was chosen by God. And he is like Christ's um, mouthpiece, yeah, right? Spokesman. And that's such like a key point. So it's like, if I don't believe that, then maybe I don't believe what Joseph Smith said about them being prophets of God or what the Doctrine and Covenants says about them being prophets of God. If I don't believe in the Doctrine and Covenants, then maybe Joseph Smith wasn't a true prophet and then maybe the Book of Mormon is not real. And then I don't believe in anything, right? So it makes you feel like if I don't believe in the first thing, all the dominoes crash because they're all connected. This is wrong. This, this isn't actually church doctrine. And I won't get into like all the specifics of that because I don't fully know, number one. But this is what um, this incredible, I don't know if I should say his name, but he's the most amazing man I've ever met. The cutest old man of all time, <laughs> a blessing in my life. And he's a Mormon scholar and like really renowned. Um, this is what he taught me, like, because I was just having so much like anxiety about like not understanding, like, how can I stay Mormon? but I have all these issues, but I want to like stay with my church, you know? And he's like, yeah. you're thinking it as a domino effect, which is how you've been taught, but it's not a domino effect. Right. Um, and so I feel like because we're taught that and because in the church we're taught things like so black and white, like I said, where it's like the church is true. Right. Even that saying alone is actually completely out of context. The idea of a church being true is, is completely false. That's another part of like doctrine. That's really misunderstood. Um, but um, we're taught so black and white that like from the time we're children, like we're singing songs like follow the prophet, he knows the way, that no wonder that when one thing is kind of like crashing down, the whole thing goes up in flames. The minute that someone learns that the Joseph Smith account of the first vision actually has like, there's actually like nine different accounts of that and they're all kind of different. Right. But we weren't taught it that way for like the first 16 years of our life. So when we hear that, it kind of like makes something crash inside of us. And then maybe we want to go a little bit deeper. And then we hear all these things that we weren't taught in church that were actually kind of controversial. Every religion has controversy that's just the way things go. But if you don't know that, you don't understand that, you haven't studied other religions, you're not going to understand that no religion is perfect because they're ran by men. So everything's just going to come falling apart for you. So, so much of the responsibility should be held by the church on this idea of people going so anti because we're, we're raising kids in such mm -hmm. a binary black and white system with the domino effect. And so the minute that something doesn't align perfectly and that person's kind of an out-of-the-box thinker and, and has questions and isn't just gonna blindly obey and isn't just gonna you know be blindly obedient they're gonna fall into some issues and they might not want to go through the spiritual turmoil of being like wait maybe everything i you know um grew up thinking isn't a lie but isn't exactly what i thought it was and i need to live in this gray now they're gonna go to everything i taught was everything i was taught was a lie i'm gonna need to choose to go the complete opposite because it's easier to just be completely away from something than just halfway in it you know right. what i mean and i just like it just creates such um a horrible culture for people that on one side like can't reconcile the fact that things aren't black and white and they just, they can't handle it and it makes them angry. They feel like they were lied to or whatever it is. 
And then you topple that with bad experiences with people in their ward, people, their bishops, like that's a whole other subject, right? But I'm just talking about like the simple, like the, oh, I looked up Mormon and, and I found all these weird things about our history, yada, 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 yep. which a lot of things aren't true. You can't read, believe everything you read on the internet. A lot <laughs> of them are, you know, you have that side of things. And you have the other side of the coin where people want to get so defensive where you can't question anything because they don't even want to go down that route, you know, and they, they need it to be white instead of black. So I don't even know where that tangent began, but <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, yeah, no, it's because it's kind of explaining why a lot of people react like their reaction when they fall away is not just yeah. like, so personally for me, my whole thing, I didn't even, it wasn't, not to get like super personal about my experience and everything, but you know, for me, it was just kind of more a generalized faith crisis or like questioning of faith, not, not yeah. particularly the church. So for me, I walked away or kind of stepped back and was like, all right, I'm just going to do my thing. I don't feel the need to go. Cause a lot of it too, is also like this fear of missing out because at yes. least in Utah, again, we're talking about yeah. Utah. Oh, my bad. Um, a lot of people live, like you said, it's a very like, black and white, cut and dry, like where it's, you have to be living all these standards and you better not mess yes. up. Like you can mess up and you know, the atonement and forgiveness and blah, 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 but don't mess up. And it's just kind of like, there's like this doomsday feeling of, and For sure. uh, of like, if I smoke, a, a, if I smoke marijuana or a cigarette, if I sleep with someone, if I do these things, it's like, whoa, it's a very, very big, bad deal. And so a lot of people have yeah. lived kind of this pent up, just like they've never done anything. They've never explored, experienced anything. And so then mm -hmm. once they fall away and they decide, I, this isn't for me, it's like, all right, I've got to catch up. I've got 16 years. I've got 10 years of freaking yes, stuff I've missed out on. Huge. So yes. I've got to catch up. And, and, and it's also this, like, also I would just add, sorry, I'm like interrupting. No, you're good, you're good. Thoughts now, like, no education mm -hmm. like no education on like because they've never been around partying so then when they start partying like they're going wild you so know zero like, to 100 immediately <laughs> yeah they're going zero to 100 immediately because they've never been surrounded by something or or like you said like they have a lot that they want to catch up on or um they just want to do a complete 180 um, and it's also sad too, because it makes people feel like once they, you know, they've done everything right their whole life and they've never done any of the big sins. I'm doing air quotations. If you're listening <laughs> and you're not watching, I'm doing air quotations around big sins and around, right. And the minute, you know, that they fall off the wagon or whatever, like, I just feel like their whole world comes crashing down. And some people don't have like the, um, inside of them or the strength inside of them to be like i don't like to to realize like it's okay yeah. <laughs> like y y the sin is a sin it, it's not the end of the world and and i mean i'm not even going to talk about like what's what's truly a sin what's truly not a sin like right. i have my own opinions on like where your heart's at blah 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 but like um i just like some people get so crushed by like guilt and shame that that's like another reason that I think people fall away and then kind of goes back to the same thing I was saying earlier, where it's easier to just be like, instead of dealing with that guilt and shame and maybe a healthy way, just be like, you're almost like so angry with the feelings that you have inside that 
because of something maybe you think that you did that was not right that you're like no actually it was right and then you just want to like completely go away from that you know what I mean because mm-hmm. there's so much pressure to like it's not like you just like okay I made a mistake let me like get in touch with God and like realign myself with what feels aligned to me in this moment and like where I like am at in my life no 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 like you have to go to a, a man that you might not even barely know and you have to like tell him what you did and then you have to like feel this pressure to I'm not saying that bishops are always pressuring I'm just saying like there is just an innate pressure yeah, and you need to immediately fix everything and it's like this fixing mentality you know and like that doesn't seem like that's just personally not the way that aligns with me when it comes to repentance like knowing that I have to like go to someone and then fix it that makes me feel pressure for like what I've done I guess and it doesn't make me feel like I don't know I don't even actually really know how to explain well it's that you whole, clearly already but. feel you know you there's like a level of guilt because you're like okay this isn't in a line with the principles that you know I'm supposed to be practicing and preaching so there's that like initial level of like recognition right. guilt. but then there's an added pressure of like okay especially especially when it comes to like sexual sins you're about to go and you know for for a guy for me to go talk mm-hmm. to another dude you know about my mistakes i've made that's one thing yeah. but for a female to go to a male bishop who's probably like 20 30 years older than than her yeah and ex- and like explain these sins of like a very personal intimate nature like mm-hmm. that is a whole other level of pressure like I feel the pressure when I have it knowing that, you know, I had to go talk about these things, but for a female, I can't even imagine the added pressure of like, okay, yeah. you already feel bad. Cause you did something that was like, okay, it's not in alignment with what I believe, but now I have to go tell this guy that I, I know who he is, but he's not like, or you might not even like him. You might not yeah. even trust no, him. No, exactly. Gotta go expose like these very, very deep things to a stranger yeah, yeah. and then hope very like personal okay. to like a stranger and like the spiritual pressure that there is behind it too like you know that you know youth temple trip is coming up yeah. and you know <laughs> that you screwed up so now you're like can't go to the temple and now everyone's probably gonna know including your parents because why aren't you going you're gonna have to fake sick you're gonna have to like lie and be deceptive which is like not christ-like like there's just such a weird spiritual pressure. Um, you know, like if I've messed up in my life, like I don't want to spiritually run. I, I need to spiritually crawl back to like whatever aligns with me, you know? And that's a whole other conversation of like this, the pressure of like needing to be aligned with like every principle at once, which puts so much pressure on just like perfection as well, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, there's just a spiritual pressure behind that entire practice. And luckily I feel like that's being, I think improved, I think, yeah. at the church. I mean, especially the aspect that you were talking about, about like um, being a girl, like, and not wanting to go to the bishop. Like you can have like your parent present or you can have like a friend present or you can have whoever present. Or like, I think there's, a, there's a, definitely a whole culture of like LDS people that like, I feel like I'm in more of a circle of that are like, I'm not going to the bishop at all. You know, mm-hmm. and that's where I fall. Like, I have no, I have no need to go to a bishop for like my personal things. Like, I have my relationship with God, and I yeah. don't necessarily believe in like that authority type stuff. I have my own questions about like 
that side of things, you know, but there's definitely a whole culture of people that are like, it is intimate details. And, and there's also a lot of issues with bishops asking specific questions about these intimate things. And like, mm-hmm. where's the need for that? Number one. Right. But that's been a huge, that was a huge part of my life. You know, like with bishops asking really specific questions about all kinds of things in my life, you know, and it's just the whole thing is kind of messy. And I think that there's hopefully going to be a lot of progression with that. I think it's already started. So that's great. You know, and that's one thing I think that the church does do good on is I think there's enough space for brave people to start speaking out about things. And then all the people that maybe didn't speak out, but agree, it kind of starts a movement within the church. And I think that's a big thing that's happening right now is I think there is a huge movement within the church. Um, And I'm like someone that's still kind of like, I have like my ick with church things, Mm -hmm. um, which is partly why it's hard to be active sometimes. But like, I definitely recognize that there's a big movement to get to make things better. And like, we have really strange processes that we have to go through sometimes, which were all implemented in like the sixties and seventies that you weren't even a part of the church so long ago, like all these things. Right. And I think there's a huge movement to, to fix these things um, that may seem strange or may seem really unnecessary or really counterproductive or really actually just turn out to be hurtful. But I think that all of these things contribute to this larger culture of, of binary um, ism and, becoming anti and especially amongst um 20 to 30 year olds like the youth like if you're you know that's a really difficult time in people's lives especially if you're single and you're not married it is a really really difficult time in your life when it comes to church stuff because it's just there's almost like not a space for you and yeah it's really interesting and so i we've we've spent a pretty good deal of time kind of providing some of the the criticism on kind of how things are going, like things on the church side, you know, the, the culture and some of the, the procedures and stuff that that's happened now to be fair, you know, to be a good, to be a good libertarian, you're supposed to piss off people on both sides of the aisle. So I kind of want to shift a little bit and start to be critical and piss off maybe some of the, the other side of people who are now no longer LDS or who just never were and are very bitter and spiteful. So we just spent the last like, you know, good, a good chunk of time talking about why it makes sense that this exists. It makes sense why people feel yeah. the way they do in a negative and aggressive or defensive manner against the church. There's no question why that would happen. But now the problem is, is what I've seen is a lot of people leave as we've just elaborated on they leave because they felt like they were controlled they were lied to they were manipulated they were not allowed to live the way that they really wanted to live or just make decisions it's not that they want to live completely antithetical it's exactly the point you made where it's like it's this perfectionist system of it's like well i want to be i want to practice this faith i like the faith but i don't feel like i belong because i can't uphold every single thing and so i can't live this mm-hmm. life of choosing trying to do, you know, and it's funny because any, you know, I can, I can already hear some member being like, no, that's not the point. It's not to be perfect. It's to be, you know, do what you can. And, but yeah, that's, and it's that's like, not the culture. The culture. That, but that's not the culture. Exactly. And so, however, the irony in my view is that these people who leave or are very frustrated with the church for very legitimate reasons of a lack of agency, a lack of being able to have that freedom to choose and do all that stuff. Those people then politically go and start again, like because they counter react, 
they embrace a very in my view authoritarian political 100 approach to things so it's like yeah they start then embracing ideas that are like um i don't know let's see for example you could say uh well i mean like taxation and welfare and a lot of these things where it's like you start taking a lot of the progressive because again i'm i'm focusing it more on the people i know embrace a lot more progressive principles and frankly right. a lot of the progressive principles are authoritarian anything that has to do with yeah taxes. like sorry anti-capitalism just like your typical leftist mm -hmm. democratic socialist i would say is they turn yeah. pretty quickly to they get into you know the identity politics wokeism um mm. and just like this authoritarianism when it comes to like censorship and, and all that type of stuff like the just the classic yeah. Democrat agenda. That's also partly Republican agenda, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like yeah. your classic liberal, you know, um, or always like into like uh, gay rights and transphobic, like trans rights or whatever, like whatever that means. Like right. we're all about gay rights and trans rights too. Like live your freaking life, do whatever yeah. you want. But it's, I think they like, just, yeah, they fall into this like no, no, no. I I, I apologize, but like they fall into like this almost where the left like libertarians would you know believe in human rights so of course they believe in gay rights and trans rights yeah. and things there like that there is no such thing as xyz rights it's just human rights human rights period and if you're a human you have a right to live however you want to live and be whoever you want to be and express yourself however you want to express yourself and love whoever you want to love right but obviously the left kind of makes that into something political and i don't even really understand how they do because it's like you know what i mean yeah it's almost hard to explain like I oh, just, they like, weaponize all of these things to make them political they weaponize it yeah and they turn it into identity politics and you know i think they um yeah and then we have like the republicans who kind of react against like the culture of the left and, and that type of stuff and then they just react back and forth so it becomes super politicized right exactly. but yeah i get what you're saying yeah like so, sorry no no go ahead okay. go ahead so i was just yeah gonna say <clears throat> it becomes very i and i think part of it is because there's this image so let's you know let's imagine someone who's fallen away or just has a bitter experience with the church for all the reasons we laid out so then they're kind of in this position of like man, like we just need more acceptance, more, you know, mm -hmm, freedom mm -hmm. to live how you want. And so that's the, that is the narrative. That's the rhetoric that the left uses of compassion, including yes, X, Y, exactly. Z thing where it's like, you know, we don't care who you are. You're all included in. They think they're going to find that in the left. Mm -hmm. But then as you, when you start to look at the principles of these things, it is very much the same. It, it starts to turn into areas of like, you're trying to pass laws that force people to live the way that you think they things should be done. And so yes, you just turned exactly away. Exactly what I said earlier. Like mm -hmm. you can be as liberal as you want, but you enforce that on someone else. You can be as conservative as you want, but you enforce that on someone else. So it, yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. They're going from one end to the other where now they want to, they were so pissed that someone was enforcing something on them that mm -hmm. they didn't agree with like morally or whatever it is, or like their lifestyle or their worldview. And now, yeah, they're going to the other side of the, the other side. The other and side now they're the enforcing spectrum, yeah. the, the, yeah, the other side of the spectrum. And they're enforcing that, that liberal view or whatever on others. So, yeah. 
right? And it's all in the name of compassion, which is ironic because again, the church is all about choosing the right, loving, love your neighbor, all like those good principles of like peace, love, Christ, blah, blah, blah. And then, but the way they implement it really is not the way, like the cultural and legal things that they do angers people. And then those people go away because rightfully they felt that. And then they start doing the exact same thing, but on other issues and in different ways. And so then it kind of builds into this polarized of like, in Utah, it's a very, very palpable, like you're very, you're either like LDS or you're very anti LDS. And then the politics of it are very much just like mm-hmm. butting heads where it's like, yeah. you know, one of the the things that I, it was interesting to me is like watching, for example, the, the, the trans, uh, what was it? The trans high school bill that they were trying to pass in Utah about transgender students playing sports. And like, mm. I have my own views of like, you know, if you want to do that stuff, like you do you, if you, if you feel like you don't belong in the body you belong in or that you're in and you got to modify that you do you man or woman or whatever, like mm. I'm not going to tell you otherwise. And I'm not going to come after you and say you're wrong and you're an idiot. However, I do draw a line of like when children get involved, how, what level right. should, should, when should we be very hesitant about giving children hormone blockers, encouraging them to do certain things that, you know, might be not healthy for them mentally or physically if you're giving them drugs and stuff. Yeah. But then we get into the question of like, well, now we have transgender kids or something like that and they want to play sports. The problem is because we have these public schools where it's forced integration and it's forced mm-hmm. people to interact in certain ways where it's like, you know what, if there are people who are so adamant about doing that with their kids that they let that they encourage them to live that way which again i can even imagine there are questionable cases of like it when does it get into child abuse there's i feel like there's open discussion for that however i agree with you let's set that aside and just say there is a handful of people who want to do that where it's like that's their prerogative well let's let there be schools that if that's what they want to do I was just going to say schools, that. So it's not public and everyone has to go to these schools. Everyone, in a perfect everyone has world, to fund them too. Yeah, in a perfect world, you don't have to make this a law. You just make it part of the free marketplace. Exactly. In a perfect libertarian world, that's what I should have said. <laughs> in a perfect libertarian world where we don't even necessarily have to have like these government funded public schools, but we have free market schools, then if you, some schools will allow you know, someone that was biologically born a female who's now a male compete in male sports. And if you don't like that at your school or within your, you know, whatever it is, your district or whatever, go to a different school, you know? And I was like, maybe that gets into like, okay, but then they compete at districts and they compete at state. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's probably a lot of like solutions to this, but laws tend to not do anyone really any good <laughs> just passing a bill and forcing everyone and again it's a question of forcing one side together yeah yeah you're forcing conservatives to fund schools and then forcing the schools to accept that you know biological males compete against biological females and then that makes sense why the and conservatives then you're forcing are all these people to accept something that they don't believe in right yeah and so the- it's like it's difficult Right. And you don't want to do it the other hand where you're like, you can't, I feel like maybe it's wrong to legally discriminate, but you can, without any laws in the books, people can just do what they want to do. 
You know what right. I mean? If, if you allowed school to be a privatized system, a voluntary system, let people fund the schools they want to fund. It's the same thing with mm -hmm. the religious part of schools too. You know, you have the debate of, you know, should you say the Pledge of Allegiance? Should we pray in school? You know what? Let there be schools that pray and let there be schools that don't pray. And it's this mm -hmm. whole thing of like, well, no, we want to make sure prayer is, is religious and we got to keep prayer out of our schools. Well, why don't we keep the government out of our schools so that way you guys can do the things you want to do and you with can- With your own schools. And exactly. Your and you fund it the way- If you don't like it, you just it. drive to a different school. And so- There's options. Yeah. Exactly. But the problem is, is that you have this polarization. And I mean, obviously, this is a conversation that's nationwide. It's not unique to Utah about schools and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I'm yeah. saying that in Utah, it's very, very polarized and driven by this kind of like, you know, you have the cultural right and the cultural left and you have the religious and the non-religious and they all it's all intertwined in this weird yeah. way. And so it just makes yes. the problem worse. It just exacerbates yeah. it. And it's all yeah. because there's not a voluntary system of if people want to go and I see this with every issue, whether it's abortion, whether it's I mean, whole, hell, I see it with and this is going to make me sound crazy, like but radically, you know, if a state wants to get, you know, take murder off of their books and make it legal to murder, let that state do it. if they want to be crazy and do that dumb shit, let them do it. Let people go into their uh, separate groups. And as long as we're able to like, you know, coexist peacefully in a way that's like, you know, the conservatives are gonna occupy this area with these schools and with this kind of way of life and the Democrats, progressives, whatever, they're gonna go off, occupy that space. The more we force them to integrate with these laws, with the government by forcing them to fund these things and forcing yeah. them to coexist because they don't coexist. You can't force them to be accepting of each other in the society and that's coercion kind of just doesn't work and the state is built off coercion i'm going to push back on your murder thing though because that goes against our non-aggression principle of libertarianism well, <laughs> but right. i think you're just trying to like display something like you're well, saying it's, like it's, it, that kind of gets into a question of like the universalism uh, aspect of, of libertarianism is like you know if there's like a pocket of people that just like let's say utah you know, I just want to be in a society where you can maybe murder. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But I guess I, I just feel like that gets so deep. I feel like this is getting so like this. This gets into like some of the really this like, is getting like anarchy, libertarian, like just ridiculous stuff. But one of the main principles of libertarianism is non-aggression. Right, so, right, right. But I, I hear you're saying, but like if people wanted to create a society within their own thing and they all voluntarily lived there, exactly, then and they didn't want like any type of laws on something and they all voluntarily lived there. They weren't right. stuck there and they could leave if they wanted to. And they wanted to be able to have this option where you can murder. Yeah. I mean, that's just like tribalism and back in the day, like yeah. during, you know, um, like the 500s, 600s in like Arabia, like it's all just tribes. There's no government. And so like if this person kills this person from this tribe, that tribe's coming after you and they get to kill someone from that tribe, you know? So I get what you're saying. Okay, I get what you're saying. Now. Right, yeah, and so again, I hope I didn't lose people with just the absurdity. <laughs> I I just, some, like it's very, it's very typical in like libertarian circles or philosophy to like take the most absurd thing and just kind of like make an example. And so like, I won't die on this hill of like talking about communities or societies <laughs> that approve murder. It's just this idea of like, 
like you said, voluntary, like, and obviously we're talking about hypotheticals in the perfect world, but like, it's an image, it's a standard we can work towards and look at like, okay, let's reconsider how we do it's these It's the things. principle of voluntary, voluntary, volunteering. Yeah. And non-coercion. And yeah, I think it's just like that principle. And so to yeah. kind of like tie it all back up into this nice little bow, where we're talking about church and culture and religion and politics in Utah, it, I, I, I feel like there is a, especially again, the 20 to 30 year old, this demographic of Utahns, you pointed out, and I think there's, this is really important to, important to highlight, is there's, there is a shift in people's thinking right now, both religious minded people or in a religious aspect and a political aspect i think a lot of people our age are kind of caught up in this spot of like okay well i don't like you know the religious part of these things or i don't like the political part of these things i don't identify with either way that we've traditionally gone and so the point of the conversation that i wanted to have with you is like kind of explore and, and help people hear that like there are a lot of us who are recognizing that it's not just the simple duopoly between mm -hmm. you're either Mormon or you're not Mormon or you're Democrat or you're Republican. There is a very large number of us who are just starting to feel like it doesn't have to be as black and white. And as you so There's well, nuance. yeah, it's like you so well, you know, explained kind of this gray. We're in this area where we're trying to ex understand and explore how do we go about not living these traditional um, polarized ways and i think that's what the beauty of this philosophy that you and i share with libertarianism is a lot of people have never heard these simple you know principles and ideas of like yeah really basic ideas like and i want to just jump interject before i forget like ahead. right here you know this is stemming from just the focus on the individual mm -hmm. and not the focus on the collective you know like when you think of yourself as an individual you don't have to be a part of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. You don't have to be like full Mormon or full anti-Mormon. Like those are groups. Mm -hmm. You as an individual are extremely complex. You have nuance to you. You know what I mean? And like, I feel like just following like your own compass in a way, I'm like super into like the idea of like alignments and energies and like just kind of accepting where you are in your life at one time and like really getting in touch with yourself and like getting in touch with your like spirit almost. And like, I think it's all like stemming from God. Like I think God created the world. He created energy. Like that's a godly thing. Like that's, that's physics. Energy exists right. in the quantum field. You know what I mean? Um, but like, just, I feel like just getting in touch with yourself and really seeing like where you at, where you're at and where you align and getting out of like the group think is really important and i think that's something that's really beautiful that libertarian and libertarianism offers is because i don't know i just feel like there's so much focus on the individual and like you don't have to be a certain type of person to believe in like this philosophy right. like, i feel like if you're like republican sometimes like me growing being a republican prior to this like you kind of have to like almost fall into like this culture of like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like you know what i mean yep. like that like it's all about hard work and like suffering you by yourself yeah yeah like, don't be a pussy and like whatever it is <laughs> excuse my french 
and like the, you know, maybe the liberal mentality is like the victim mentality a little bit or, you know, whatever it is, like, you don't have to fall into either of those like subsets culturally, like you can be culturally, whatever the hell you want to be when you're a libertarian, like, Mm -hmm. like the amount of random weirdos that are libertarians, because it's really just the idea and the essence of just like philosophically living in your own like life and in your own like alignment, I guess that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, I think that's something that's really special about like the true gospel of Christ is that I think that Christ, you know, our our salvation is individual, no matter what our relationship to Christ is individual and Christ knows us inside and out and Christ knows our heart and he knows where our alignment is. And I think Christ wants us to be able to get in touch with our spirit and ourself. and, And maybe that's like the Holy ghost. I don't know. I don't really think of it like that, right? I'm just trying to relate, but like, um, I feel like those are like really cool things because I think that the gospel of Christ really always focuses on individualism. And I think that that's maybe like a good way to, that's how I would kind of maybe sum everything up is just like the focus on the individual and the nuance of that. And that's why it's okay to live in this gray area or this nuanced area and not be so binary in your thinking because you may not agree with one everything here and you may not agree with everything here and you don't need to conform here and you don't need to conform there that's an absolutely not necessary you know you can actually live in the middle space and um do a lot more good i feel like there right you know and i i do want to kind of clarify though so for people don't think of libertarian uh the libertarian philosophy as like the middle ground fence kind of Taking it's it's a very hard line differentiation from both left and right political spectrum as far as Democrats and Republicans go. But no, you're making a good point of like you don't have to be living in this duopoly of like yeah, it's either this or this. It. That's what's beautiful about this philosophy is that you can embrace another way. You don't have to do one or the other. There is another way, and it's not like a fence sitting. Well, a little bit of here. It's it's an independence it's thing. Not. It's like you said, individual. It's all about as long as you are coexisting, and you know, it's not even coexisting like you have to love your neighbor and be friendly or whatever, but just as long as like this idea that live and let live, I'm gonna do my thing, you're gonna do your thing, we don't have to associate. We are more than welcome yeah. to, but as long as everything that we're doing is in a voluntary way that we've all- As long all- as we're not infringing. Exactly. On life so, or liberty or pursuit of happiness. Exactly, and again, I, I know that for a lot of people, whenever, I, certain people I talk to, they're like, that's just like, you know, a uh, utopian, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's not that I'm saying we're going to get to that point of everyone's going to just agree. It's and philosophy. It, Every philosophy is utopian. And, exactly. And it's this idea of if we have a, a vision of where we're going to move towards, what are we working towards? Right. What are our principles based off of? And so that's the whole idea is let's work towards that kind of a system, that kind of a yeah. principled area. But yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm just going on in circles. So no, no, no. I This is good. I'm going to say that we can wrap up now because I actually have to go to the yeah. bathroom so bad. But um, <laughs> just me being straight up. No, you've yeah, been doing this for uh, a minute. I don't know. I hope that I, this was actually a really good conversation for me to just kind of like get my thoughts out and just like articulate what I've been thinking inside because mm-hmm. it's rare that I feel like I have a conversation 
like this with like maybe someone outside of like my family or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a really important conversation. I think it's really interesting and hopefully in like <laughs> a perfect world, I think we can just hopefully like try and just be more like loving too. Cause I think the duopoly just creates so much like hate and like resistance and resentment and just, you know, causes so many issues in the long run. And, and I just feel like, especially with religion, it's just shocking that that would even exist. Yeah. Cause it's like not even the essence of it, but right. yeah. Um, anyways. Great. Well, um, this is really fun. I'm, I, I also enjoyed this conversation. I, I thought it was great. I hope it, I hope that whoever hears it and people that listen to it get something out of it. I hope it was, you know, as fruitful for them as it was for us. Um, now, before we close, I just want to mention or reiterate, I think I mentioned at the beginning, uh, I have offered to Quinn a space on this pro or on this podcast to regularly come on and just talk about the issues that she covers, which are largely foreign policy and some of the stuff that's going on overseas because both of us are very passionate about that whole subject and you know what the u.s empire is doing overseas so yeah, yeah. and also i mean just more conversations like this um yeah. i just am excited that quinn like has the same perception and background so she will be a regular part as much as she's interested to come on and, mm -hmm. and talk about and give updates on things so um cool quinn thank you so much is there anything Thanks. you want to plug for people to find you just where your work is? Um, just follow me on Instagram. It's at Quinn R Driggs or just type in Quinn Driggs. Cause I'm basically probably the only Quinn Driggs out there. Um, and yeah, that's where I do everything. And then if you want to read my articles, they're at based dash politics.com. So. Perfect. I will cool. make sure to link those so people can find you easily. Okay, so, sounds good. Thank, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And Quinn, thank you. You have a great rest of your evening. I guess it's over there, evening. So thanks. <laughs> Take care. Mm -hmm.